Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue with Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. This passage begins with Saul's approval of the unlawful execution of Stephen and ends with, despite heavy persecution, the spread of the good news to Samaria. Please follow along as Pastor Jim teaches today's slice of this week's message entitled, The Gospel Goes to Samaria. Uh, Join me at Acts chapter 8 this morning and as we move into what is a a new section, if you will, in the book of Acts. I want to give you just a real quick, big picture overview, reminder of what it is that we're studying. As you study the Bible, you start in Genesis, you go to Revelation. You have the, the progressive unfolding of the plan of God. He is the king of the universe. He is the creator of everything. He is the judge of everything. It's one marvelous plan from beginning to end. It's one author using 40 human authors to, to tell one story. And, and it's about the king, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who uh, will come and reign in glory on the, on the throne of David and then eventually take us to the new heavens and the new earth. And it's one continuous unbroken story from beginning to end. But along the way, there are some significant points of discontinuity within that massive, wonderful continuity. Things change before and after the fall. That's a big deal. Before and after the flood. That's a big deal. Before and after the Tower of Babel. That's a big deal. Before and after the, uh, the law. That's a big deal. Before and after Christ. That's the biggest of all. Before and after the rapture. Before and after the second coming and up to the new heavens and the new earth. There are those points of change. And in the book of Acts, we're dealing with one of those points of change in the continuity of the unfolding of the plan of God. But the point of change is not a point in time. It doesn't, it doesn't just, in, in human reality, it doesn't just happen in an instant. Now, we know that Jesus rendered the old covenant obsolete when he lifted that cup at the Passover and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. He announced the arrival of the new covenant. But then, it wasn't until the next day when he was on the cross and he said, it is finished, and, that, and the, and the temple uh, curtain into the Holy of Holies was torn in two. Now access to God is granted. But it wasn't really until he uh, fulfilled the promise, I will send my spirit, that he began to build this new thing called the church. And we have in this case a transition time. Jesus rendered the old covenant obsolete. So from that night in the upper room until the destruction of the temple in A.D. 70, there was about a, it was almost 40 years of transition in which the old covenant stuff was still going on, even though it was absolutely not effective. And if you believed what the old covenant taught you, you would come to the Savior and you would be a new covenant believer. 
So there's that transition with the old phasing out, but the new has begun. And that began in Acts chapter 2. And so we have this time then in the book of Acts, the history recorded of the first almost 40 years of this new era, the era in which we now live, the era of grace, the era of the church. And God is doing amazing things here. Well, even within the book of Acts, we have some punctuations of change and development, if you will. And as we come to chapter 8, it is one of those. Chapter 8 of Acts begins the second part of the inspired outline of this book, which comes from what Jesus said to the apostles and the rest of his, fo- of his followers who were gathered in Jerusalem just before he ascended to the Father. Jesus described this era of the kingdom of God, which is progressively being unfolded, but in this era, the king is not physically present. We look forward to him coming again. We pray, your kingdom come. We're waiting for the king to return. But look at what he said, just as a reminder, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they were asking him, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? They thought the kingdom was going to come and he was going to reign on the throne of David. He said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Now, we've been seeing astounding and glorious fruit in and around Jerusalem, as recorded in Acts Acts 2 through 7. And we've seen that despite Satan's relentless attacks through the unbelieving Jewish hierarchy known as the Sanhedrin, and even an attempt to uh, corrupt from within through Ananias and Sapphira, the gospel has reached well over 10,000 people. Yet not only the, the, the population of Jerusalem, but, Jerusalem, but for the, the Feast of, of um, Pentecost, many had come and many stayed for weeks or months because of this new thing that was going on. And that earliest manifestation of what we now label the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, what we now understand as the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, it had an overwhelming impact. It was just as Jesus had said it would be that that same night that he announced the new covenant. He said this in John 13, 34 and 35. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That has been on display in Jerusalem. That amazing fellowship, that astounding caring for one another was part of what attracted people to hear the message of the gospel through the apostles and then through Stephen. And the miracles that God did through those same men validated that they were his messengers and this is his message and the love that the people showed demonstrated how changed lives lead to changed relationships and God works through all of those things. Now we also saw this earlier, chapter 6, verse 7. This is right after 
they had chosen those seven men, primarily Greek speakers, to deal with the, the widows of uh, the Greek speaking widows among them. And it says, the word of God kept on spreading and the number of the disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests were becoming obedient to the faith. Now there's a, that's quite a statement. There was a great contrast between the priests at the top of the food chain, so to speak, the, the murderous, hypocritical Sanhedrin, primarily Sadducees, who dominated, the group dominated by high priests, and they were the hierarchy that controlled the activities of the temple. There was them, and there were, then there were the everyday priests, those average priests, the ones who did most of the work in the temple. They began to see the message of the gospel make its impact they began to see this astounding contrast between the Christians, people whose lives they had seen transformed by this Savior, versus what their own leading priests, their bosses, were doing to them, arresting them, flogging them, throwing them in jail. Well, the hatred of the Sanhedrin, probably, or the hatred by the Sanhedrin, probably reached its crescendo when Stephen one of those first seven deacons, was used by God to preach and do miracles just like the apostles. The Sanhedrin had not been able to stop the apostles, no matter how hard they tried. And then now many of their underlings were turning to Jesus, and now someone other than the apostles takes center stage. It was too much for them to bear. And we saw the overflow of that in chapter 7. We saw how they railroaded Stephen to death by stoning. And they based it solely on the testimony of false witnesses about fabricated charges and nothing resembling a fair hearing of the facts was ever involved. Chapter 7 is primarily Stephen's, what I call, best last words ever. Now I pointed out to you something back in chapter 1 and I want to reconnect with it again now. I want to remind you that in those verses that we already read, if you notice, Jesus did not technically give them a command to take the gospel anywhere. He gave them a promise that they would take the gospel all over the world. Look again at verse 8 of chapter 1. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Now it's true, you can use a future tense like that, you shall be my witnesses, and you can use it in the, in the sense of a gentle command, like some of the Ten Commandments. Um, uh, you, uh, you shall honor your father and your mother. You, you, you can make it into a command, but in that passage there's a contrast be things, between things that are commanded and things that are stated as a fact. And um, Jesus said this is going to happen. As far as we can tell, there were no strategy meetings in the early Jerusalem church about how to evangelize the world. They simply proclaimed the gospel where they were and the impact of their ministry in their own city set in motion this cascading uh, a wonderful spread of the gospel and 
And God used that to fulfill the first part of His promise. You will be my witnesses. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.